I was at a crowd at a rock concert for the first time. Um, cool. But hello. And at rock concerts, they clap on one, so it makes sense that you... Uh... Well, yeah, they clap on whatever they want to clap on. <laughs> <laughs> it's a rock concert. Roll, they don't play baby. by the rules. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're punks. It's all about the he said, she said. Welcome back to Pulp Friction. It's a show about what Akka divides us. My name is Rocky, Ned's name is Ned, and Cody's name is Cody. We're Akka, talking about Pitch Perfect this week. I, my name is Akka, Ned. <laughs> we're, already, we're already off the rail. We're off the Akka rails. We, we're Akka rails. Um, <laughs> so, just, just to get that point out of the way, the... Um, the first time she says, the first time uh, Anna Camp says, Aka, excuse me, it is so funny. Yeah. And 30 minutes later, the joke is dead. Yeah. <laughs> it's like if you did a pitch perfect drinking game where they used Aka. Yeah. Uh, you would be blacked out in 45 minutes. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Really briefly, there's our new segment. Da, 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 what's poppin'? Uh, Max has been announced. Max. Max is here. We're all wild about the new streaming service, Max. Uh, did, you see, did you see the tweet that was, it was a quote tweet of the announcement for Max, and it was a picture of just Max Landis's eyes? <laughs> I didn't see that. I saw the one that was um, Timberlake in the social network being like, drop Facebook, just the. Yeah. <laughs> really I'm waiting for a niche Max from the L word joke i'm not gonna be the one to make it but i'm waiting for it i think you just did <laughs> you're holding out for a hero <laughs> yeah, oh, crap. uh so uh, they announced max they announced a couple of shows uh rick and morty the anime i did which see that <laughs> i i'm really obviously it's you know a pitch to leave justin roiland out of it but i don't know in what sense it's an anime um if it was if it was animated in japan it doesn't really look like an anime so <laughs> hard, hard to tell <laughs> who's who's to say as somebody who's never seen an anime before i think it looks fantastic and i'm gonna be front row in that theater for this tv show <laughs> that, to, to watch the, the anime mm-hmm. um they announced uh, Harry Potter is is, is coming back. Boo. I, I, yeah, and my reaction to this was, it, it's going to be like the Lord of the Rings show, right? Like, it's going to have maybe two or three very lackluster seasons and then be quietly canceled, right? Yeah, well, we have to think about, you have to put it in the context of the whole Max situation and wonder if it's even going to make it to air at all. Sure. <laughs> like we yeah. don't know where this thing's gonna be six months from now yeah they're talking about the show they're like it's a 10 year saga and I'm 10 like, years they said i'm like in 10 i hope years, it comes out no one will remember this in 10 i hope years, it comes out and they're just recutting the normal like the regular movies into just like tiktok segment like 30 second chunks <laughs> they're gonna make it <gasps> that's the thing though is they they did the little 
they did the little trailer for it and it was the John Williams music from the Harry Potter movies, the logo from the Harry Potter movies, and the castle from the Harry Potter so movies. So you're saying I'm correct and they're just going to put out like 30 minute to no, three no, no, minute no, no, segments. No, no, no. Here's what they have to do. Here's what they have to do. And here is, this is the only way I'll watch this. Do it, okay. do it, but do it on Quibi. Yeah. Do Harry Potter on Quibi. We're- we're committing to this right now. If they put Harry Potter on Quibi, we will watch it. Put it on Quibi. I will I will take back everything I've ever said about J.K. Rowling. It's actually fine that I shouldn't have rights. If J.K. Rowling rev- puts her money where her mouth is and revives Quibi, <laughs> all will be forgiven. Quibi, the streaming service for transphobes and the trans people who love them. <laughs> exactly. The The other thing they announced is another Game of Thrones show, and the title of it is Game of Thrones, A Knight of the Seven Kingdoms, The Hedge Knight. Is that real? Is that <laughs> That real? is the title that of the show. <laughs> that is the title of the show. It's like Dahmer Monster, you. the Jeffrey Dahmer story all over again. <laughs> Wait, can you repeat that title for me? Uh, Game of Thrones, A Knight of the Seven Kingdoms, The Hedge Knight. Okay, Hedge so Knight. so so The Hedge Knight is like a short story, and the the A Knight of the Seven Kingdoms is like a prequel novella. So it's some it's some fucking Silmarillion shit, but it has the worst name in the world. Okay. Okay. Yeah, the the <laughs> series is about the characters Dunk and Egg, who I understand have a whole series of novellas. Here, that's that, a lie. That R. R. You can't wrote. say that there are two characters this named Dunk and lie. Egg. That's a <laughs> lie. Dunk and Egg. No, Dunk's Dunk's name is, the Dunk's name is... <laughs> Dunk's full name is Sir Duncan the Tall, and Egg is his squire. And his name is just Egg. His name's just Egg, obviously. <laughs> I love that. I love I'm that so George R. R. Martin is like, fuck it. I'm never finishing this series, but I'm going to make some fucking weird shit first. Yeah, that would be a great sort of alternative reality George Lucas situation where he never makes anything Star Wars again, except like, except like a, 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 these little short stories about like <laughs> the figurin Dan of the model nodes from the, from, from the, the, the band from the cantina. Yeah, oh he decides he he never gets well, into like let me do a bunch of Senate politics, but he gets really into like let me just do a bunch of pratfalls. <laughs> yeah, could happen. Could still happen. Let's talk about the Pitch Perfect movies. Um, I'm interested to hear about like y- y'all's history with this series. We were all you know in the demo for them. I feel like. And, um, yeah, you know, I certainly saw them all as they were coming out. I don't know about you guys. I actually did saw... I saw the second one in theaters, maybe the first in theaters, but I, th- I think only the second one I saw in theaters because I was like, mm. it's going to get gay in this one, right? It never does. <laughs> <laughs> Except in Bumper in Berlin. But like, I could talk right. about the marketing for the third movie out out my ass uh yeah. the actual queer baiting that they did for that <laughs> yeah i can't i can't actually remember if i saw the first one in the theaters but i definitely i didn't see either of the sequels until like last year when me and ned watched all three uh basically in like a week um uh but my 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 and this is this is what informs a lot of my pitch perfect thoughts is my mom is really into pitch perfect like these are movies cool. for mothers <laughs> 
Interesting. Um, like, like loves it to the extent that one year for their anniversary, my dad got both of them like a set of matching pitch pipes and neither of them are musical people. They just, they just, my mom just wanted some pitch pipes because she loves pitch perfect so much. Um, I'll also say that I I did go to Northwestern University, which the acapella culture in Pitch Perfect is based on, um, and it is all real. <laughs> it is all, unfortunately, as real as it is depicted, uh, and it sucks. And that's all I'll say about right. Northwestern. I will say I did avoid the third movie on purpose for a really long time, uh, because I just don't like Ruby Rose as an actor. <laughs> That's interesting. And that that one actor will deter me from a whole movie. <laughs> That's really funny cuz I feel like I feel like she so rarely has a significant part in a movie. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's sort of sort of the actor who is like the least there in anything. I mean <laughs> like Resident Evil. the thing is, well I mean well even in Resident Evil, I will say cuz she's in one movie. <laughs> um but like I just don't think she's a very good actor. And mm-hmm. I've I've said this about <laughs> the batman tv series rest in peace uh but i was like why couldn't they just cast a lesbian who was also an actor and instead they just kind of cast a lesbian <laughs> and not an actor <laughs> right um, a model i don't know i just don't think she's a very good actor and that's just my opinion <laughs> that's fair i think she's going for hot and like that's fine and she's good at it <laughs> But there is, uh, you know, in her prime, she, like, got more roles than she probably should have. I think, I, yeah, I think, I think there was, like, a momentum yeah. behind her, and that's mostly probably what it was. Sorry, I interrupted you, Cody. No, 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 I interrupted you. Um, I think for you, Ned, Ruby Rose sits in the same spot in your mind that Cara Delevingne sits in mine. mm because I, I, I remember, and this is like very recent, but I remember watching the second season of Only Murders in the Building and Cara Delevingne's in that. And I had the exact same thought that was like, they could have cast a lesbian who was an actress, but they didn't even, they didn't even cast a lesbian. They just cast Cara Delevingne. <laughs> um, that's my Cara Delevingne hate corner. <laughs> Interesting. I feel like I don't, I feel like I don't have that with anyone. Maybe I'm forgetting someone. Um, the Pitch Perfect series. Yes. Just to get into the lore a little bit here, I love lore. Uh, are based on a nonfiction book in the style of uh, in the style of Mean Girls. <laughs> they are uh, based on a book called Pitch Perfect by Mickey Rapkin, released in two thousand eight. That's about three collegiate acapella groups that uh, you know are part of this national competition, just sort of chronicling like the uh, sort of fervent culture uh, around acapella. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, I yeah I feel like I feel like we are uh, Rocky. Unless I I misread you, I feel like we are three people who have not been in an acapella group before. True. <laughs> well, I was really into Glee. That's true. No, it was <laughs> yeah, Glee. there are parallels between Glee and Pitch Perfect that we could get into. Yeah, it was it was a whole thing that um I I mean we will get into sort of the the beef that existed um as as the movie was coming out um. In 2011, the movie gets announced that uh, uh, Jason Moore, who did Avenue Q, was going to direct a film adaptation of this nonfiction book uh, with Universal, with Kay Cannon writing the screenplay. And um, it was sort of this process where, like, 
2011 Bridesmaids comes out and suddenly Rebel Wilson is 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 getting every kind of deal under the sun and so the thing that actually sets Pitch Perfect into motion is that they're just looking for scripts to give to Rebel Wilson and she's the first act the first actor to sign on to Pitch Perfect and she's the reason that it it gets put out so quickly. That's so wild to me. I believe that I because because like... Rebel Wilson like that is very believable for me to hear because like. I know that uh, Rebel Wilson did have a lot of freedom in her script and improvised a lot of her lines in these movies. Um, Mm -hmm. So, like, that does make a lot of sense that they were like, we just want a script around this comedian um, and just kind of let her do her own thing for a bit. Um, Yeah, I mean, that that makes sense. That's all I had to say. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I I was just going to say, I feel like whenever I think about Pitch Perfect and, like, where people's careers were. I don't know. For some reason, I always forget that Rebel Wilson is in those movies. <laughs> and I, I, I maybe I just I just have Anna Kendrick on the brain because I was such, like, a Twilight kid, and I, I don't know. Um, but for, for, for me, it's always like, oh, no, those are the Anna Kendrick movies. I mean, she is the main character, but whatever. Yeah, and I think... Um... I think they're remembered as the Anna Kendrick movies, partially because she had the hit song from them, partially because uh, her her star just really rose from there. She moved on to bigger things very quickly. Um, and Rebel Wilson does occupy, I think, a weird space in this movie, as we can talk about the uh, Fat Amy character. Yeah. But, like, she was she was always, like, the one that they were promoting and memeing and all that. She, like, you know, was definitely the star of the marketing of those movies. But... Her her place in the story, I, I guess in the second one, she has the most story because she has, and in the third one, like, it's it's technically about her. It's about her and her, her father. Um, in the second one, she has that love story with Bumper. So they're yeah. actually increasing her role as it goes on uh, up until Bumper in Berlin. And she, I, I feel like when you reflect on those movies, you're thinking about Anna Kendrick and Anna Camp and Brittany Snow and like bumper <laughs> you know like, like they're they're there it's really weird like what has sort of come out of those movies it's weird actually because like I, I i do always associate those movies with adam divine more so than like skylar astin who has a, a bigger role in the first movie like bumper is like not like drops out of the movie <laughs> before the climax and then practically doesn't show up in the other one yeah <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, he has like I, a very small part. Like, yeah, into, I don't even remember his role in three. What, like, yeah, he is not in three. Yeah, so there you go. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think. I feel like I don't know. This this seems like a very similar conversation to me because um, I don't know. I think I think people at a certain point got really tired of Rebel Wilson because mm-hmm. she kept like showing up in movies to badly improvise things and you know like i think at least like you know by the time she was in cats everybody was like uh, and maybe that was just like sort of the cultural thing that cats was but i feel like everybody sort of fell off of rebel wilson at a certain point for for whatever reason um there could be a multitude and meanwhile like like somebody like adam devine is like he's on the righteous gemstones now and that's a really good show you know I, I don't want to call Rebel Wilson's improv bad improv because <laughs> oh, yeah. all improv is bad. Um, but um, <laughs> but um, I also feel like in that era, like you know, Rebel Wilson was very much pigeonholed, and like when you are pigeonholed in that kind of like role, and you're like, do something funny now. There's only so much you can do without structure. Um, sure. Yeah. No. Yeah. So I, I don't I, think I, all I of that was on her. On this call. <laughs> 
yeah, I think we've recently seen the exact same thing happening with um, Taika Waititi. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's it's just this thing where, like, you know... It's overshot saturation, maybe, more than anything else. Exactly. And I also think that, like, Melissa McCarthy kind of stepped around this, and, and obviously she had a bit of a backlash over time, but it was a mm-hmm. slow burn sort of thing. But, like, she stepped around this by, like, immediately finding a way to have, like, vehicles for herself, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think Re- Rebel Wilson, I don't think, had a movie that she was deleting until, like, 2018, 2019, like, years and years after Pitch Perfect. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's part of the reason that she, like, failed. It's a weird thing, though, because I feel like... When when the Isn't It Romantic movie came out, it was like we were sick of Rebel Wilson, but she was like still around. She was still a thing. And then by the time you get to catch, she's like on par with James Corden as like a, a, a black hole of comedy. Mm-hmm. But like I, I, I think she's pretty funny in Bridesmaids and pretty funny in Pitch Perfect. Like, like, yeah. like she's she's not not a comedic talent. You know? Yeah. I yeah I think I think I was I was missing the mark on on the point that I was trying to hit but I do, I do agree that she's funny in this I do I do like a bunch of her stuff in this I also like I feel like and I don't know maybe this is like a, a, a quote unquote like chick flick thing but I people I feel like people don't appreciate how much Pitch Perfect at least the first one is just like a fun and pretty good movie can we can we agree yeah, on this I, <laughs> yeah I I watched this movie and I came out like. You know, I feel like partially because of the sequels and partially just because of, like, the people getting – me getting sick. I shouldn't say people of, like, the song and of Rebel Wilson and of all these things. I I developed, like, sort of a sour view of the whole franchise at a certain point where it's, like, it's fun but it's trashy and, like, kind of racist and all that. And then I watched the first movie and I was like, no, this is really good. Yeah. Yeah, it it sucks that, like, the other movies can kind of, like – cloud that like what was once like really good they do like make some bad decisions in the other movies yeah no the the, the sequels are really bad but like i i i i was surprised by how good the first movie is yeah because there's something like yeah it's just like it's it is it is a fun movie based around some you know okay like musical sequences (laughs) um and and featuring a lot of people who are like genuinely very funny and incredibly talented uh like that what's uh i don't know i don't know if you remember the name of the the one girl who's (laughs) yeah flula um yeah no uh uh that one girl in it who like wrote songs for rihanna and shit and then she's just like yeah 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 uh Uh, esther dean yeah yeah esther dean esther dean is like like i'm i'm like it's it's so exciting to like know the career that she's had and be like oh and now she just gets to like have fun in this acapella movie you know like mm-hmm. I, I, pitch perfect just seems like a it's it's a it's a it's a fun romp is what it I'll really say. did feel like the cast lo- enjoyed making the first movie like you can like it you can tell that uh, there's a lot of chemistry there <laughs> yeah and I don't know if you guys do this but when they were casting the movie they uh, focused on comedy whoa <laughs> they didn't do that for bumper in berlin of course because no bumper no, in mean, berlin that's, that's they had the dramatic sort of thing yeah for a year before production did you know that they what oh, wow uh the cast list for bumper in berlin before they started writing and uh did production on it and stuff they like had the cast list already they cast just just oh, fully wow. in advance yeah they wow. did that first well, it shows. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's such a cast-forward show. It is. <laughs> so to go back to the um, 
but it, this is sort of related to something that happened with the the first Pitch Perfect movie mm-hmm. because some of the actors auditioned, but Adam Devine and Anna Camp were handpicked by Elizabeth Banks. Oh shit. Yeah, Adam Devine for Workaholics yeah. and, and Anna Camp for True Blood. They, she was just a fan of both of them. Anna Camp was in True Blood? Yeah. That's wild. There was like an evil pastor and she was his wife. That's wild. Um, I'm going to take this. Now that we're talking about Anna Camp, I'm going to plug the one other movie I've seen Anna Camp in that I think she's great in uh, is a little indie flick with Tony Hale called Brave New Jersey. Uh, And if you ever get a chance to see that, I think it's on Amazon Prime or somewhere. But if you ever get a chance to see that, it is a fun little uh, like little indie flick about uh, the War of the Worlds broadcast in the 30s or whatever. She's great. Now. Very cool. And she's 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 a romantic opposite of Tony Hale, which is very fun. Oh no, not no, she's not romantic with him. She's just like another lead. Anyway. One of the big narratives, of course, was this this sort of fandom beef between Pitch Perfect and Glee. And this was something that they like, you know, this was the big thing at the time. They like asked the cast about this stuff. I have the quotes here. Um Anna Kendrick said that she never watched Glee because she was like circling pitch perfect when when glee came to her attention and you know she 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 didn't want to like spoil herself uh there was also (laughs) going to be there was a line that was cut from the riff off where one of the categories is going to be songs that got ruined by glee that's funny yeah i will i'll I'll defer to ned on this section because ned is the resident glexpert i think (laughs) i think it's a very funny because this pitch perfect came out in 2011 yeah, two years after. Yeah, I think that's very funny to have a whole category be like, songs that got ruined by Glee when Glee only had two seasons. <laughs> <laughs> um, I th- I wish they would have done that. Um, I I don't know a lot about, like, the beef of Pitch Perfect and Glee. Why can't everybody just get along? Um, yeah. That's what There I'm was saying. also the the thing that Elizabeth Banks said when when an interviewer mentioned that they had, that mentioned Glee and talked about them in comparison. Elizabeth Banks was like, well, they both have singing in them. <laughs> yeah i want to see like the like a like a way back like audio like um itunes snapshot of the week that the cup song got really huge because i want to see how many glee songs were like right underneath that shit in the itunes charts that's you know funny. you know they were just underneath ryan murphy was seething <laughs> yeah that's that's why we have the beef is ryan murphy like punched elizabeth banks anyway <laughs> <laughs> I wish the 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 funny no, but like Glee fans really like were refusing to go see Pitch Perfect, and it was like if you go see Pitch Perfect, you're not a real Glee. Yeah, that's crazy that you can you can only like one piece of musical media at a time. Well, it's like Team Edward, right. Team Jacob. Who the fuck are you on? That's true. Wait, okay, okay. Glee and Pitch Perfect, who's the Edward, who's the Jacob? <laughs> Between Glee and Pitch Perfect? Um, I feel like uh, I feel like because Pitch Perfect is a movie, it feels like an an Edward to me. Interesting. I feel like because because Glee is older. Here's my here's my I'm I'm going in the recesses of my brain. Yeah. I would say that um Glee is an Edward because Glee is a freak. Uh, and I mean, yeah, you could go like it ran for that, like six seasons or whatever. Um, but yeah, I guess the biggest reasoning is Glee is a freak. Uh, Glee is full of, um, no, I think that's just it. Glee is a freak and so is Edward Cullen. And I feel like Jacob is is less of a freak. Not as much of a freak. Gotcha. 
I got you. Not not as much of a freak, but he does get to weird places, which the Pitch Perfect. He doesn't start off as a freak, you know. Edward starts right. off as a freak. I love me. Edward. Jacob gets to a freak level, yeah. which is what Pitch yeah. Perfect does. Some achieve um, freakness. Some have freakness thrust upon them. Yeah, this is obviously not the we have a Twilight <laughs> series that's ongoing, but like. The thing with the Twilight movies is, and, and the books is like, I feel like they, with time, had to make Jacob more of a freak. So like, it would be a, a, a conversation between mm-hmm. him and Edward. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's like Edward's such a freak. They have to make Jacob like, you know, fall in love with a baby. <laughs> yeah, and you know, let's send the Bellas to do a spy tour in like England and like play for the U.S. military. You know, like <laughs> that's what it feels like to me. It yeah. would be a very strange paranormal romance series if it was like, you could have this 100-year-old stalker or a normal guy. Just a normal <laughs> guy. <laughs> exactly. So the first movie was made on a small medium budget, $17 million, and uh, was a sleeper hit. It opened at number three behind Taken 2 and Hotel Transylvania, but it ultimately grossed over $100 million with an audience largely composed of young women and girls it was it was it is the third highest grossing music comedy not musical comedy but comedy about music <laughs> of of all time behind pitch perfect 2 and school of rock oh, behind pitch perfect throne <laughs> yeah <laughs> well i mean there was so much hype like i yeah. i understand like sequels do have a tendency to like yeah out like outdo the original because like there is so much hype and there's so much talk from the original that I, I do think that, like, yeah. No, you're right. There I are remember some people High School Musical yeah. too. Um, yeah. I'll also say that uh, the I and I'm sure we'll talk about the riff offs, but I do prefer the the Pitch Perfect two riff off. I think to to either of the mm. other ones. And I mean the the third one really doesn't count as a riff off. But yeah, we'll it's really there. not. <laughs> I do because and okay, we'll get there. But like, I, I have a big complaint about that riff off. Yeah, but. I can't um, really. It was also a uh, critical hit, was, was the other thing I wanted to say. Uh, Rebel Wilson won multiple critics awards for this movie. Uh, Roger Ebert was a fan of Rebel Wilson's performance in this, but he said of the movie overall, quote, It's a 20-something song and dance movie built around rival a cappella groups. That's more exciting than dueling string quartets, I suppose. But no, the quartets would be performing better material. <laughs> I don't know, the Cup song kind of changed the world. The Cup song kind of did fucking everywhere. What what I need to I I had no idea about this before I was doing research for this episode. I did not know that the Cup song was not an original song. Oh yeah. I don't think I I don't think I ever thought about this. I don't think this ever crossed my mind. Not only that, but like Anna Kendrick didn't even invent like the cup part of it. Like like it was already like a Reddit thing that like 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 not super popular, but like a thing that was out there where like someone did a cover of this like old standard from like the thirties and and you know added these new lyrics to it and did it with cups. And so Anna Kendrick like saw that video and then did it at the audition. <laughs> That's so funny. Can you imagine if Pitch Perfect came out now what TikTok would be doing with the cup song? Literally. Yeah, I, I had no idea. And then of course that that song was like you know, it hit number six on the hot one hundred. The the soundtrack album for this movie was one of the hundred top selling albums of the last decade yeah can't they can they couldn't make pitch perfect today you know what i'm saying (laughs) not in today's pc culture i feel like it's often said about the franchise as a whole and even specifically about the first movie that it's like 
super racist. And I I, I watched it and I was like, they, I, I see what people are saying, but I feel like it's like pretty fat phobic and pretty homophobic and like very mildly background racist. And then I watched the second one, and I was like, oh, this is racist. Yeah, the second movie is where they really amp it up. That's, like, what shocked yeah. me rewatching them as well. Like, when watching the second one, yeah, I was like, this is, like, ten times more racist than the first one was. But yeah, that's, you know, that's what I'm saying about, like, like the, the first one, comparatively at least, pretty, pretty fucking good. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I watched the first one, and, like... There were so many elements that I forgot were there, just because, again, when I think of Pitch Perfect, I think of Anna Kendrick, Anna Camp, Brittany Snow, Adam Devine, and like, and uh, and and uh, John Michael Higgins and Elizabeth Banks. Like that's it. Mm-hmm. And so I watched this, and I didn't remember Sch- the uh, Skylar Aston character at all. I didn't. I just remember, remember Ben Platt is in this. Yeah, I, Ben Platt is my favorite part of the movie. <laughs> The magician. I was gonna say, like he's he does his little magic tricks. He does his little tricks. I, I feel like he has some good bits in this one. And the second one, they give they like give him a girlfriend, and it's and it's Haley Steinfeld, who's a, a freshman and, and 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 he's a senior, and it's like the the gayest character in the first movie, and you gotta just and, and that Esther Dean is in, and you've just gotta like. <laughs> it's a classic thing where you take the the jughead of your of your operation and give him a girlfriend exactly um justice for jughead jones we'll get it but yeah i i i totally i totally forgot ben platt was in this fucking movie because he's not like back when pitch perfect was made he wasn't ben platt yet i feel like i feel like he was he he was was becoming a rich man's first movie role (laughs) yeah and now I can't. Uh, an- another guy who who's just like like I maybe it's oversaturation, but with Ben Platt, I genuinely feel as though it is his face to some degree. Um, but yeah, I, I just like pretty good and Pitch Perfect, and s- cannot stand the man now. Wow. My only thing about Ben Platt is it makes me angry that he's so t- vocally talented with no training. <laughs> <laughs> that's is what makes me angry he is not he's never had vocal training uh to oh, my knowledge I, at least I uh but i mean he is like a billionaire son so yeah he's, yeah he, he was born like they they bought the voice they gave him a vocal affirming surgery yeah yeah i'll tell you who i really didn't remember was in this movie is christopher mintz plass yeah he is in that for like a scene he is. He's he's leading the like acapella auditions, and then isn't anywhere else in the movie. Uh, but I think just... they bring him back for two, also. <laughs> yeah, for like one single scene. Yeah, I will say I think my favorite uh, little bit, or you know, like person who shows up for a minute in all of these movies is David Cross, and we will get there. But I think it is David. We Cross. will. We will. I the. Jolo Trulio doesn't get to do much, but I feel like he's always, like, as That's one of the true. older acapella guys, he's just always kind of Yeah, I like it when he shows up and sings a little bit in a thing. The So we, we, we have all these characters, and we're introduced to um, Becca with one C, <laughs> this anagantric character, who makes, like, mashups... And, and wants to be a music producer and um there's lots of great stuff in this movie where it's like there was an idea in principle of her being like goth but then they clearly like didn't yeah. <laughs> by the time the movie actually got made they were like no never mind and so there's scenes of like you know the she's talking to anna camp and she's like and she's like you know who david getta is <laughs> <It's> like... <laughs> 
I love, and you, you mentioned her mashups. I do love that in this universe, she invented mashups. I love yeah. that. I love that no no one in the acapella had ever heard of putting two songs together with the same beats per minute um, until she did it, because she's the best. Um, and then, like, in the second movie, nobody thought of, like, writing their own music before Haley Steinfeld came along, you know? Exactly. <laughs> Every movie, somebody invents something. Ruby Rose invents playing the guitar or whatever. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, they, inv- they, they invent uh, instruments in yeah. acapella. The... Um, <laughs> Have you have you ever seen the video about this movie that's like the conspiracy theory that it's about 9-11? No. Oh, no. Sorry. I listened to a podcast once that was like Jennifer's Body is about 9-11, but that's a different movie. This is my take on Jennifer's Body, too. It was just, I when, when I saw Jennifer's Body, someone told me about this podcast last week, but when I saw Jennifer's Body for the first time, like, I was with a party and like 20 minutes in, I was like, oh, this is about 9-11. Oh, that's so funny! Yeah, you're you're definitely on the same wave, wave, wavelength. You should you should listen to Kill James Bond. It's a good good podcast. Um, but yes, so so yes, so so Becca invents mashups. <laughs> yeah, and the the conspiracy theory about this movie being about nine eleven starts yes. with that like opening scene at at the Kennedy Center in New York. Obviously, there are uh, nine people on the Troublemakers and eleven people in the Bellas. <laughs> Um, they, oh. they like both do, they like, like the troublemakers do like an airplane thing, uh, <laughs> during true, one of their yeah. numbers. And like, there's, it like takes, it's like a parody of room 237. It just like takes all that and like builds off of it. Like, so what does, what does the gratuitous vomit signify? There's a lot of little things in this movie that I like, like the, um, that, that subplot about her barfing on stage and like being about to barf like every time she performs in front of people they drop it by the end of the first movie yeah and then like never bring it like well she's not in the movies really after the first one so it's she's like there but like, Listen, she's not a, a main character she worked out on that farm one. you know <laughs> but they don't even really it's it's not like a resolution in the first movie even like 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 she just stops doing it eventually <laughs> that's funny yeah, yeah I, I never noticed that. I will say it is it is a super bold choice to like open your film with a sequence that has a gratuitous vomit scene. Yeah, it's sort of a Babylon move. Yeah. <laughs> the um, second movie gets announced by Skylar Astin, oddly enough. <laughs> he says me and Rebel Wilson are going to be in Pitch Perfect 2. That's so funny. Yeah, the second movie, Kay Cannon returns to do the screenplay. Jason Moore does not, and instead Elizabeth Banks directs it. Hell yeah. Does she direct the last one as well? I don't mean no, to No, uh, 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 Trish Sai or C, directs okay. the, the third Trisha one. Trisha Paytas directed Pitch Perfect 3. Whoa, it was one of her She's Trish everywhere. talks. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, sorry, before, before we go into the second one, I feel like I... Uh, just to, like a thing, a thing I want to point out from the first one is a. Um, sorry, maybe this is the only thing I wanted to say. Can we talk about the shower scene and singing Titanium? <laughs> Pr- pretty funny, yeah. That's the scene where she's like, "You know, David Guetta." <laughs> yeah, um, but it, it, it's a really great, yeah. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I just wanted to point out that that's where the queer baiting begins, right? If we're gonna, if we're True. gonna trace this line, yeah. Of, is is Anna Kendrick gonna fuck? Britney Snow. It sort of becomes like a, I'm trying to think of the example well, I'm thinking of, of a, a character that does this, but it's like they she starts like 
joking like like she slips a joke into the other movies that's like maybe i'm gay i'm confused i i you know my sexuality is in question um and of course it never builds anything but it's just like i feel like there's another character like that where they like just started to throw in gags about how that character might be gay mm-hmm. i yeah. feel like they were doing stuff with like her thing was that uh esther dean's character was just like hot for her and like that was a bit for a while as well in the first movie is that like oh yeah watch this lesbian be attracted to this straight girl um, yeah there was, that was there like was that and also and also she was like the slutty one yeah yeah yes okay i remember, I remember that was her thing <laughs> um I'll also say about the shower scene. Um, so, so now we have that movie and Megan in terms of like weird renditions of Titanium specifically. Um, and I'm just I'm saying it's a it's a letterbox list that's waiting to happen. So somebody better fucking get on that. Yeah, I feel like the shower scene. I immediately thought of Carrie. <laughs> of course, just 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 for the just for the sake of a shower scene. But I was like, I thought of oh, the weird shower scene in Bumper in Berlin. Right. I mean. <sighs> That one was really hot, though, I will say. I yeah, cried. The, you know, I the Berlin showers. I mean, you know yeah. you know what you're getting into yeah. there. You can't yeah. put Bumper in those showers. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> you can take the Bumper out of Berlin, but you can't take the Berlin out of the Bumper. That's true. Yes. And they say that in the show. Yeah, and we all know that famous line. Um, the second movie, I didn't know uh, that Mark, Mark Mothersbaugh did the music for the second one. Um, he didn't do the first and he didn't do the third he's um he he's of devo and he did uh he he did like i mean he did like rugrats and stuff back in the day but he did um thor ragnarok (laughs) he did uh uh skate three he did the music for um life aquatic like yeah he's he does all kinds of things nothing but hits this guy yeah hell yeah if I if I knew more about music, I, I'm sure I would be losing my mind right now. Unfortunately, my brain is full of Christian rock and the Mountain Goats. But yeah, it's a really it's a really unimpressive score. I was very surprised to learn that that Mother's Ball had done it. Um, the I feel like the second movie is really the pinnacle of like just the cultural relevance of um, acapella. And you know, the these movies and especially the second one are like never afraid to embrace like the silliness of this world but the one thing i thought as as i was watching it was like i totally buy that the bellas would perform for barack obama in 2015 yeah yeah no 100 um i'm curious i don't know if anything came up in your research because i know that like because glee was super popular like a bunch of schools started show choir groups did you did you ever did you come across anything in your research that's like a bunch of schools started acapella groups because pitch perfect was big i'm not i i didn't find anything about that i'm sure that like school acapella groups received a lot more attention like i remember myself just like you know a wellspring of interest in acapella it was definitely a thing yeah um but yeah no the second movie sorry did you have more intro about the second movie or should we start going on going in (laughs) Well, I was just going to talk about how, like, you know, there's all these cameos of, like, people who are big in the acapella world, like where Pentatonics are the Canadian team, and the, 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 the Philharmonics who competed on the sing-off are the Filipino team. Pen Masala from Penn, right over here, which is also where Elizabeth Banks went to school. They were the Indian team. Oh, wow. The, this is one that's, like, building off of not just 
not just Glee, but 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 like this ma- like like the absolute peak of cultural interest in acapella. But also, yeah. like you have a lot more just like celebrities in this one as well. Like you mentioned earlier, David Cross is in this. Keegan Michael Key is in this. Snoop Dogg is in this one. Flula, uh, yeah, Flula's Flula. in this one. The the Green Bay Packers are in the are in the roof off in this one. Like, I, do they are they actually the Green Bay Packers or like do they play themselves? They play themselves. The okay. singing is dubbed. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, great. That's what I that's what I was thinking. I was like I was like I know it's not the Green Bay Packers singing, <laughs> right. but yeah, that I think that's like my most memorable bit from this movie is that is I think it's because I love the riff off so much. But like the fact that the Green Bay Packers are an acapella team for some reason to me is incredibly funny. They need something to do in their off season. Yeah, that's true. Totally. Yeah. I th- I think the um the David Cross character is is such a like like that is the mo- it's it's like the Wizard of Oz like that is the moment where these movies exit our reality and enter like a bold new one. Yeah, yeah. C- sorry. Yeah, can we just talk about this for a second? Um, yeah. Uh, because yeah. So if if anybody's listening who hasn't seen Pitch Perfect two in Pitch Perfect two, um. So, so in Pitch Perfect 1, right, like, Becca gets kidnapped because she's being initiated into an acapella group, which is a real thing that happens uh, at the university that I went to. Um, and, and in the second one, they all get kidnapped, uh, and it's because <laughs> David Cross, the millionaire, <laughs> loves to kidnap acapella groups and make them <laughs> sing yeah. for him, which is so crazy and so funny. And he... He has a gong that he rings when he <laughs> tells people that they're out of the competition and they're gong, and he rings the gong. Um, he's so mad at Haley Steinfeld when she invents original songs. <laughs> like, yeah, you're you are right. Like, I I I think this is my favorite David Cross role. <laughs> wow, wow. And I'll die on that hill. And I've seen I, no, yes, he was in Mega Mind. That includes Mega Mind. <laughs> It's such like like it's not just <laughs> obviously there's like the position that he's in, but there's also just like the fact that he's like this eccentric millionaire acapella fan who also is like this this you know <laughs> this, this this lispy southern you know <laughs> gentleman <Yeah>. kind of <laughs> like <laughs> the voice that he does and the character that he embodies and the character that he's actually playing are all working in tandem here yeah not only is he a millionaire he is a faggot millionaire <laughs> exactly and in the third movie they get kidnapped <laughs> they just get kidnapped <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> so they, 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 the riff off of the kidnapping happened at different moments so they just like get kidnapped it's, can That's i true. say i'm sorry to jump ahead it's not even a riff off technically in the third one because they were using instruments because they invent they, instruments but okay but okay they like like that is addressed in the movie that is like like the bellas are mad about that and they're like actually we won because you can't use instruments but the category was uh, artists you didn't know were Jewish, and they did "Love Me Harder" by Ariana Grande and The Weeknd, neither of whom are Jewish. So they That's lost so the riff funny. off before the instruments got brought in. That's actually and they didn't point. address it at all. Yeah, you know what? They didn't care about the riff off, so screw them anyway. <laughs> screw them. Screw, screw them. <laughs> yeah. Disqualified. And screw the troops, also. <laughs> yeah. 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 Fuck the troops. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, I feel like I feel like the main reason I didn't watch the third movie before I had to watch all three uh, was because right. Well, like, you were catching up for Bumper in Berlin. Yes, for Bumper in Berlin. Uh, we're was, doing a was binge The weekend. fact that like seeing the trailer for the third one and being like, "Oh, it's a troop thing." Okay, I guess. Like, like the, this is fucking Captain America: The First Avenger. We have to cheer up our troops mm-hmm. with our acapella. They really needed mili- that funding for this movie, so they just asked the military. It's a military propaganda movie where the villains are Australian. <laughs> <laughs> what do they know? What's that all about? What do they know? John Lithgow playing in Australia. <laughs> <laughs> they're hiding something in the outback. <laughs> they're ju- they're just not racist enough to be like we have to make it the Australians, but everything else is on the table. Returning to the second movie, this the single flashlight by Haley Steinfeld was written by Sia and Sam Smith. No. Yeah. I, I Wait, repeat that. that? It, sorry, I did not hear that. What did What did you say? Flashlight, the song from the second movie, was written by Sia and Sam Smith. Yeah, I believe that. <laughs> then you think about it for a second. Yeah, it now that sense. I've thought about it and it I've listened, I've, I've, I've recalled three lyrics. Makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. It does. It does make sense that the woman who sang about a chandelier would also write a song about a flashlight. This song received poor reviews. <laughs> What? But I'm wearing my flashlight shirt. That's not what acapella is about. You can't just do your own fucking thing. David Cross is going to ring the gong. Exactly. But wait, like, (laughs) isn't that what acapella is about? The first movie told me that acapella was about art and that maybe if I got an original song, that's art. Is that, is Pitch Perfect 2 telling me no? I thought it was about feminism. I thought it was about, it was about girl. Well, the first movie is about 9/11, obviously. Oh, that's true. <laughs> that's true. Sorry. Sorry. Got off track. Got off that's track. True. Go back. We got way off I track. Love <laughs> I was it was so funny to me to like look at to like look at this song, look into this song a little bit and just see like it, it's so rare for a song to be like poorly received. Like 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 people are are a lot nicer to songs cuz they're just like 3 minutes of whatever, but to see that this song got poor reviews, peaked at number 61 on the charts, really, like, didn't leave an impression. And Pitch Perfect 2 was a massive hit. I mean, that is the the top-grossing music comedy. It finished number one behind in, ahead of the week's other big release, which was Mad Max Fury Road. Holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> wow. It was a hey, hit. Hey, yeah. I was in theaters for Pitch Perfect 2. I was not in theaters for Mad Max Fury Road. So I was in theaters for Mad Max Fury Road. <laughs> <laughs> I was in theaters for both of them. <laughs> so we're all evened out. <laughs> yeah. We, none of us made an impact on this this trend. Um, yeah, that's why you shouldn't vote. Yeah, the sequel was the one that was like the big commercial hit, but also poor reviews for the song, Poor reviews from critics. There was there weren't any awards for Rebel Wilson this time around. Um, it's no High School Musical two. That's what I'll say. It's true. King of sequels. And I sort of feel like you know we talk about uh, acapella and how it reached this peak at this time, and Barack Obama is featured through archival footage at the beginning of the movie. I do sort of feel like the Pitch Perfect movies. You you can you can look at them through the lens of how they began in the Obama era, and by the time you get to the third one, they're trying to strain that like enthusiasm into the Trump era. Sure, yeah, I feel yeah. I mean yeah. I mean, Pitch Perfect is only a movie that could have been made 
in the Obama years, I feel like. True. Yeah. Following that logic, right? They literally have to leave the country (laughs) in the third one to get away from, like, we can't mention any of this shit. We have to go on a boat. They're like James Baldwin. But um, actually, (laughs) they do mention it because Rebel Wilson wears a hat that says, Make America Eat Again. Yeah, I do remember that. I didn't remember that, but thank you for reminding me. That's really important knowledge that I had to retain. The the first movie, they're at this big Kennedy Center competition, and there's the projectile vomit, and that's their big humiliation. The second movie, Rebel Wilson exposes her, Fat Amy exposes her vagina to Barack Obama, (laughs) and that's the humiliation. Yeah. The, the, The third movie starts with them, like, on the boat, and they do the big boat escape, and then it's like three weeks earlier. Bet you're wondering how we got here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I think, you know, I think it makes sense for the third movie to, like, break instruct. I feel like I feel like that is sort of a thing that tends to happen with threequels, right? Where it's like, you know, uh, the, the, the gang has scattered to the winds or whatever, right? Because I feel like w- with a sequel, you can just sort of either invert or escalate whatever you were doing in the first one and that like works like that gives you a structure pretty well and a plot um and then for the third one it's like well you can escalate again which they do um but that that's not going to get you a movie which it doesn't um but the the third movie ends up actually repeating that construction with them like getting humiliated and having to learn how to work together again and put on like like they they Mm. don't do it until halfway through the movie but when they get humiliated they like like nothing happens like like they're not doing the mashup thing which is like their thing that's the thing they should know to do but they like like their performance is fine but people just aren't interested in it and then taps plays and then it like interrupts them that is the equivalent of you know flashing barack obama in the the second movie is that they're just like kind of irrelevant yeah yeah the, the 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 other crucial point that we're missing here is that pitch perfect three is not a good film true (laughs) so the rules don't apply (laughs) what's really funny to me though is with dj Khaled's role in the third movie they sort of like they 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 can't really be specific about what he does because he doesn't really do anything and so they have him like they, they they go to his party and there's just like a laptop and like a, a like a little desktop like 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 production like a drum machine and a mic (laughs) <laughs> Why would DJ Khaled have a mic? That's <laughs> like... so funny. I love that. And Casey has got to make some mouth sounds. True. Everybody's got to make little mouth sounds. He does audiobooks sometimes. <laughs> I'll also point out that, like, the thing they're after, like, the whole point of the whole competition in the third movie is to open for DJ Khaled on tour. DJ Khaled does not headline tours. <laughs> he does in this universe. And that's the universe I want to be living in. <laughs> <laughs> well, you could be like that guy in Bumper in Berlin. Right, exactly. It's just so clearly like they wrote that part for a musician and then they kind of ended up with DJ Khaled. <laughs> yeah, that's so funny. Yeah, also, same movie. They invent instruments. So, you, you, t- you know, it's a give and a take, I feel like. Mm-hmm. I also like how in the riff off, all of those like bands are making fun of the Bellas for doing covers because they're an acapella group. And then when you actually get to the concert, they're all doing covers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Wait, 
But they thought that they wrote those songs. <laughs> they really well, thought that they wrote those songs. No, it's a uh, it's a yesterday situation. <laughs> all, all the <laughs> they songs did. they're singing are from bands that only they remember. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> so <laughs> we're we're jumping around because we're trying to keep this fairly brief. We've already, you know, I think had some great uh, talkage. Definitely hit up on the. John Michael Higgins and Elizabeth Banks characters, the uh, your John and Gail, who yeah. are yes. again really, really funny in the first movie and like have a great rapport throughout. But it's like you you know it very quickly becomes like like John is a is is this is is a comical level of misogyny and elizabeth banks is just kind of riffing off of that but also like their roles are so weird where in the first one they are and I, this is intentional I'm, I'm not i'm not i'm not complaining when i mention this but in the first movie they are announcing the the they're they're announcers and then in the second movie they are they have a podcast but they're also the chairs of the national acapella organization and then in the third movie, they're, like, stalking the Bellas to make a documentary about them. I think that's a funny progression, but yeah. the bit where they're also in charge of acapella is really weird. Well, they, too, have had their rise and fall, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like like they have, they have a whole subplot that we don't even see, but that's what Bumper in Berlin is for. Well, I was going to say, did y'all not watch the end credit scene for the last episode of Bumper in Berlin? Because we're actually... Oh, man. Exactly. It teased. Is that... It teased a prequel series with them. Okay, two. okay, yeah. sort of a yeah. um, book of Boba Fett thing about that. Yeah, actually. exactly. It's yeah. it's also going to kind of be like a will they, won't they? Like, sure, it's going to be really. It's actually it's going to be called Pitch Perfect: The Hedge Knight. Mm. I wouldn't go that far, but maybe it could change. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know where the Hedge Knight comes into it, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure Elizabeth Banks announced it, so. Well, okay, sure. I mean, she's texting me now, so yeah. My only source on Pitch Perfect news is Skylar Aston, but oh, um, sure, yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. It's not real unless Skylar says it. Yeah. By the way, they don't bring anyone back for the third movie. Like the second movie tries to get everyone in there. The first movie, it's the Bellas, it's John and Gale, and that's it. Literally, yeah. I would be really interested um, in doing like a. I mean, it's 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 not a double feature because these are both trilogies. But like, Pitch Perfect and Magic Mike. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I feel because uh, yeah. I feel like Magic Mike Three is going to have a really similar energy to, to what out? Pitch Perfect Three was. To the, it did. It did already did come it? out, and it is it phenomenal. Yeah. Is it really good? I've heard nothing but yeah. rave reviews. Yeah. Yeah. All, I guess all I'll three have of them are great. I've but... only ever seen Mike, Magic Mike XXL. Um, I've never seen the first one, and I, I feel like. I don't know. All three of them have very different energies. Yeah. They're all dramas, but they just have different vibes. Yeah. I do think about, like, the the, the rare occasions of, like, new film franchises starting in the 2010s. You know, that that sort of post-Marvel age. Because it's, like, Pitch Perfect, Magic Mike, John Wick, uh, uh, Knives Out. But that sort of doesn't count because it it didn't become a a franchise until... uh, in in this decade technically but the like i i sort of want to think about the through lines there between between all those series and twilight yeah no no, no 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 i do want to say i i did um navigate to the pitch perfect wiki um and i am on the page for the riff off 
Uh, and the, mm-hmm. the riff-off page only has information on the first riff-off, but I do say I have the full list of categories for the riff-off if you want to, if we want to go through them. Sure. So the full, so, so the, 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 the two categories that were picked, um, are ladies of the eighties and songs about sex. Um, the other categories are black Michael Jackson, white Michael Jackson, Christian rock, hair bands, TV theme songs, reggae time, medium rock which i like a lot the judds famous duets overplayed black eyed peas which is a really 2011 joke to make Um, absolutely something called puppet songs that's probably an avocado new q joke uh, uh, right, sure. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, songs Ruined by Glee is on here. Uh, party rock anthems and ugly nice. lead singers. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I just wanted to point that out because some of those are are real good. I like ugly lead singers a lot. I feel like I would do like a meatloaf for that, you know. The third one was directed by Trish C, who did uh, Step Up All In. It was co-written by. Um, it was, it was, it, they were all written by Kay Cannon, but the third one got a rewrite by Mike White. Oh, wow. shit. No, no, yeah. Our favorite Survivor contestant. The, like, like that year, Mike White did Pitch Perfect 3, The Emoji Movie, Brad Status, and Beatrice at Dinner, which is like one of the best movies of that year. So like. He did The Emoji Movie. I didn't know that. Yeah. That was the year that he really went sicko mode. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. I think there's many years where he's gone sicko mode. True, true. <laughs> School of Rock, sicko mode moment. <laughs> yeah, top ten, top ten uh, epic win compilation. School of Rock, top one musical co- music comedy. <laughs> the third one went through uh, a bunch of delays, if you can believe it. <laughs> it was uh, really gonna be. It was going to be July 21st, and then it was going to be August 4th. It ultimately came out on December 22nd, where it no. It competed with Jumanji, The Greatest Showman, and a little film called Star Wars The Last Jedi. <laughs> oh my god. I I did see The Greatest Showman in theaters. Um, mm-hmm. In my defense, I was very depressed. But I had a lot of fun seeing The Greatest Showman. Yeah. I hear it's fun. I haven't seen it. I was so put off by the concept that I didn't even make it to... The trailers didn't look very good. <laughs> I, no, that's I, fair. I just, you know... Yeah. As 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 someone who has a lot of personal investment in having a crush on Zac Efron when they were 12, um sure. I really yeah, it was a good one. Also, it's Hugh Jackman doing something that's not Wolverine and how often does he get to do that these days? Exactly. And I I remain a, a Zac Efron defender as well. I feel like we've we've already sort of touched on, you know, the thing with these movies is the first one is it kind of took me by surprise with how good it was anyway um and then the uh second one is like oh this is just bad and then the third the interesting thing with the third one is they're like it's post backlash about how racist the other ones are so they're like let's not say anything racist let's avoid making the Esther Dean character a uh, homophobic stereotype and that she doesn't have a character at all that's the thing though like in the first movie she also has like a gambling problem like she like there's other layers to that character in the first yeah. one yeah I loved the gambling problem bit that was really funny yeah <laughs> yeah yeah like yeah, yeah like I remember that character as like a whole ass person um but yeah you but were it, talking about the yeah, sequels it's, it's just in the third one they like sort of i think they they correct for the offensiveness by like just just having those characters who were offensive have like no personality 
Sure. Mm-hmm. I agree. So it's like it's like tamer and in a way more competent from like a humor perspective, but kind of worse also because it's like it's the Cars 2 thing of like we we have this original thing that worked and there was something that really hit people about it. Let's turn it into a fucking spy movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's never it's never good when this this the concept for your sequel is what if they did a spy movie? I feel I don't think that's ever necessarily gone well. If it wasn't Does anybody draw any movie. lines between Cars Two and Pitch Perfect Three? Oh, yeah, I there mean, are lines to be drawn. <laughs> I'm sure. Th- I I I feel like there could be cast members in common, but it's also just like, you know, British villain, Australian villain. The villain is like this. They're both these sort of international criminals. Um, the whole, I, I, the funny thing with the Pitch Perfect Three plot is John Lithgow is is Fat Amy's uh, father. And is trying to get her a hundred eighty million dollar fortune in the Cayman Islands. <laughs> so funny to to talk about where the franchise goes after that. We're not going to touch on Bumper in Berlin because that would be a whole other series. It'd be a whole other episode of this show. We got to come back. On yeah, for that. absolutely. Um, shortly after the third movie's release, Trissy said that she could see the series going on indefinitely. Quote until they start sucking, which I guess is what happened. <laughs> That's so fun. Listen, we'll stop beating this dead horse when it stops spitting out money. Yeah. And it did. Bumper in Berlin show was announced. It was created by Megan Amram, produced by the the production team from the movie. Uh, this is what NBC Universal executive Susan Rovner said about the show. Our upcoming Pitch Perfect series is another example of the unmatched synergy NBC Universal is able to expand upon with our wide-ranging library of IP. <laughs> Wow. And I, they really branched out that IP. They stretched yeah. it so far. I work um in nonprofit fundraising for a living and mm-hmm. I have never heard a sentence that meant less <laughs> than the one you just read. She can't even like say something about the show. She has to She's be, never like, seen it. She's not a fan. <laughs> She she's not know. a real fan like us. But she forgot she, she was supposed to watch it the night before she did that press junket. <laughs> she's just like, it's another great example of all these properties we have. <laughs> God. Isn't that isn't that what any Marvel movie is now? It's, it's true. any Marvel it's movie. True. It's like here's saw, another property we have. I saw somebody genuinely trying to break down how like a Nintendo movie universe would look and i'm like please just like go outside please like do anything else with your time i saw that i saw that and i saw that they were like building up to like a a smash movie and Mm -hmm. i was like i don't think there is any property in the world that is less adaptable to another medium than super smash brothers yeah (laughs) i agree like (laughs) they couldn't even make smash into other video games did you ever play the fucking playstation heroes thing that you can't do smash another way right. <laughs> it has to be smash and it has to be melee and it has to be on a crt because the frame rate is better so the pitch perfect series what do we think about like its impact because obviously it didn't start but it did expand the acapella trend um launched anna kendrick's uh, career first appearance of Ben Platt uh, brought Adam Devine to a broader audience. Um, Elizabeth Banks is a director. She just put out Cocaine Bear. Um, 
like, like, what do we think of what these movies did? Have there been any big, like, music-centric blockbusters since Pitch Perfect? Or did it, like, sort of ruin us for a while on it? There's, I mean, you know, if if we're... It, are we counting like musicals like Greatest Showman? I know. I feel like I feel like because you. I feel like you made this the distinction earlier that like it, it's not the highest grossing musical. It's the highest grossing like music movie comedy. with music. Yeah, like music oh, yeah. comedy. Music comedy. Yeah. So movies centered around music. I saw this thing that's going to be on Peacock. That's like it's like Christian Pitch Perfect. No, I have to watch it. What is it? I think it's called. It, I think it's called Praise This. Okay, There's I'm a TV show coming out, yeah, called like yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the one. Oh, it's about like a, like like gospel singers. Yeah, mm-hmm. I would watch this. Okay, interesting. Mm-hmm. So like like yeah, and obviously like TV is still doing it right. Like we had Crazy Ex Girlfriend and 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 things like that. I'm trying to think of like movies that are centered around around music. I feel like I feel like I feel like we haven't really had a pitch perfect equivalent in the last however many years. Does that make sense? True. Yeah. I think part of it is like the sort of comedy bubble burst in mm-hmm. the, in, in, in the mid to late tens and just like the, the real absence of like original stuff in general. But yeah, um, yeah I, I, it um, came at an interesting moment because it has that tether. It's like a teen movie that is, you know, similar in pitch, to glee um and is also sort of hitting on that era that like apatow diaspora thing with rebel wilson where it's like you know building one star finding the next star like 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 it's squeezed into that too with elizabeth banks and with kay cannon and all that and like that bubble burst in like 2013 like 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 not too long after that yeah so i feel like in, in in that sense i think it's really useful to think of pitch perfect as like the last gasp of a dead era right by the time the third Mm -hmm. one comes out because i I feel like there there is a real sense in which the third one felt like oh they're still trying to do this you know yeah it's it's a bummer that like the sequels sour the reputation of the first one which i think is probably better than most people remember but the I, I like that a franchise like Pitch Perfect gets the opportunity to run itself into the ground. <laughs> sure. And then and then be reborn through Bumper in Berlin. Right. Yes. A new, fresh, and better than ever. Yeah. Um I think like I, I don't know why this thought just popped into my head, but like although Anna Kendrick does not perform it this way, but I think that the Cup song performance and like they made like a whole music video like with Anna Kendrick for like for it after um I I feel like that rendition of the song helped make singing in cursive more popular. Does that make sense? Do you know like singing yeah. in cursive? Yeah. Cody, do you know what that means? I don't know what that means. It's like Halsey singing. Like, um, like yeah, it's we, like Halsey singing. We like, are the new American. We are the new American. Like, okay. stuff like that, you know? Sure. Um, like, although Anna Kendrick does not perform it that way, I feel like it was an easy thing for, like, at, at least, like, when I was in school hearing it every day of my life. Like, that's how people would perform it because they they didn't have, like, a voice to sing it otherwise. And I feel like... It helped the culture. It 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 
not helped, but like it it popularized singing in cursive because they were like, people were like, I can't sing this song any other way. <laughs> Wait, so how does how does the cup song sound in cursive, Matt? I'm not going to do it because I never sang it. Damn. Yeah, no, but I totally think that like she was like at the time she was picking up on like the indie girl thing, like the Zoe Deschanel yeah. sort of sort of affect. And it hadn't, like, broken through and popped that much, but she sort of bridged that gap where it wasn't just people who were going for an indie thing who were doing it. It was people who were going for a mainstream pop thing who were doing it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. As you look at the other stuff from that era, and it's like Carly Rae Jepsen and, uh, you know, What Doesn't Kill You Make It Stronger. Like, 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 that sound was very much not there yet. And then, mm-hmm. you know, it's pretty soon after that you get, like... Lord, who's doing her own thing but contributes to that voice and um like things progress in that direction pretty quickly after that yeah you know what might have been the the most recent big music movie mm. a star is born sure which is which is of course like an entirely different kind of film um true but yeah no i think i think that counts did that did that come out after the third one yes third pitch perfect okay yes mm-hmm. it did interesting yeah, and I feel. I mean, I mean, who? Um, who were... I would argue that weird, the Al Yankovic story. Weird, the Al, um, yeah. Weird is good. Kind of, yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, <laughs> I do think Joker Folia do is going to be the next one, and hopefully that sort of like sets a trend of more to come, um, mm. more Joker sequels. I mean, but um, yeah. <laughs> What are our what are our overall thoughts? Our closing thoughts. Overall thoughts. Mer- first movie, great to revisit. The other ones you can skip. That's my thing. First one, a great movie to revisit from time to time. But like the other ones, you could really live without. Yeah, yeah. I feel like there's probably a lot of like comedies from that time that everyone was like eh, it's okay at the time that yeah. now we'd look back on and be like man i miss stuff like this like wanderlust or something like, like like you know some of the stuff from that era probably holds up better i'll say like a big reason i'm so excited for the barbie movies is it it feels like a lot of like the weird 90s comedies that i love like the the brady bunch movies where it's like this yeah. like this 70s family in the 90s like it very much feels like it's going to be that which is why i'm excited for that to come out totally I genuinely, uh, like every few months, I will go back and a- at least rewatch the second riff off, if not just watch like clips of all three of the riff offs. And I feel like that's a pretty good way to sort of get it <laughs> <laughs> with the Pitch Perfect movies, you know? Like I, I feel like I feel like the riff offs they tell their own story, they have their own kind of progression, and you don't have to see most of the racism you know true (laughs) and it's kind of like it's they're kind of a microcosm of like the main thing with each movie where like the first one is the mashups and the second one is the original song and the third one is uh instruments instruments i guess yeah it's it's an army it's <laughs> army theory. It's you. If you get far enough into acapella, you will invent instruments again. <laughs> yeah. So, um, thank you two so much for joining me. This has been a really fun yeah, thank you chat. For having us. Thank you, and thank you to everyone at home who's watching as well. Um, uh, who's listening, not watching? I should hope. Uh, <laughs> I was gonna say <laughs> the call's coming from inside the Discord. 
But, um, yeah, if you like the show, you can uh, subscribe or share or rate or whatever option you have wherever you're listening to it. Um, You can also share it with your friends, let people know you like the show. That always helps. Um, You can do, like, a paid subscription thing, pulpfriction.substack.com. And, you know, um, yeah, just just thanks for listening. I think our next episode is going to be episode number 69. So expect us to have something fun planned. I disagree, Gary. I disagree, Gary.